Check, check. One, two, check. Mic's on. From the world of education to you, my name is Dr. A. Our show is all about finding your voice by connecting our community through collaboration. Welcome back to another edition of Mike's On. This is episode 62, and we're going to do a little bit something different this week. In this week's episode, we'll take a break from interviews and things to know and delve into a bit more personal arena. Growing up in West St. Louis County in the 70s and 80s was, for the most part, a wonderful experience for me. I went to grade school in Parkway, then on to a private middle school at St. Joe's in Manchester, then on to CBC for my freshman year, then to Parkway South for the first part of my sophomore year. My family then moved to the suburbs in Chicago in early 1986, where I graduated from Naperville North. My grade school years were spent at Ren Hollow. The building opened when I was in first grade, and I remember it being like a palace, open classrooms with brand new everything. I loved everything about my grade school experience. I made some great friends at school and in the neighborhood. One of my friends was a stellar athlete, someone I wanted to emulate. His name was Tim. Through much of our grade school experience, Tim and I were healthy rivals. He was always faster than me. He could throw harder, kick farther. He did everything in sports better than me. In some cases, I was a close second, even beating him out in a long-distance run. But more times than not, I was just a shade slower or a beat or two further behind. At 10 years old, we were even in competition for the affections of a young classmate, Kristen. The thing is, even though I considered Tim a rival, a competitor, I never once allowed my heart to fill with hate for him. We once ran the Green Tree Run in Kirkwood when we were in fourth grade. Going into the weekend, I believe I was the one considered to be Kristen's boyfriend, in air quotes. These relationships could change daily, even hourly, so, you know. At the start of the run, everyone is packed up close to the front of the starting line. I was nervous. I'd never been in a competition such as this. When the starter's pistol rang out, I leaped forward only to trip over my own two feet. I did a face plant directly into the asphalt. I was scraped up pretty good, bleeding, and the race had just started. I worked through the pain and finished the race strong, but my fragile, prepubescent brain kept thinking, Kristen's going to think I look hideous, like Kramer and Seinfeld. Look away. Monday morning rolled around, and sure enough, by lunchtime, I was kicked to the curb. And who took my place? Tim. So I tell this story because this back and forth for Tim and I went on throughout the fourth grade year and even the first part of fifth grade until Kristen moved to another school. I never once hated Tim. I may have even been envious or jealous or even a bit hurt at times, but I never, ever hated the dude. We were teammates in soccer and baseball. I was nowhere near as talented as him in baseball, but we played soccer together all the way through my move to Chicago. Our freshman soccer team at Parkway South is still considered one of the best, at least in my mind. But once Tim and I got on the field together, we were teammates. We pulled for the other so that the entire team would do better, not just one person. I have to speak about what we are seeing at this moment in public education and the politics which go with it. Recently, our superintendent announced his retirement. Now, I'd like to think that he was ready to retire, but he's younger than me and has been in our district for two years. His announcement was a hit to our Rockwood Institution. At this time of year, it is often expected that people will move on or move away. Is part of what I really cannot stand about the profession. Having been in my current building for 17 years makes me more of an oddity than the norm. But the resignations and retirements this year are particularly painful. 
mostly because I am seeing good people being turned off about our profession and leaving it for a fresh start. Much of this has to do with how issues are being shared and debated on places like Twitter and Facebook. Social media has a grip on us in a way that is truly dangerous for our society. There is not a dialogue anymore, only keyboard warriors. So many of us are showing that we want others to see things from our point of view, that we dismiss any and all detractors as noise or crazy talk. The speech and rhetoric I have seen is downright despicable. But I wonder, who is to blame? Ourselves. Politics has turned into an all-out hate war. There's no more coming to the table to talk. You build up your case online, in the papers, on the news, in the community, and I'll build up mine. Too many of us think that we can make change happen by sharing a meme or a tweet or someone else's words. Change happens when we have dialogue. When we can see that hating the other person on the other side gets us nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Reach out to the person who has a different point of view for understanding, not argument. Check out this information from Matt Steffen, a religion editor at Encyclopedia Britannica. It's about the Fairness Doctrine, the U.S. communications policy from 1949 to 1987, formulated by the FCC or the Federal Communications Commission, that required licensed radio and television broadcasters to prevent fair and balanced coverage of controversial issues of interest to their communities, including by granting equal airtime to opposing candidates for public office. The origins of the Fairness Doctrine lay in the Radio Act of 1927, which limited radio broadcasting to licensed broadcasters, but mandated that the licensees serve the public interest. The Federal Communications Act of 1934 supplanted the Radio Act and created the FCC, the chief regulatory body governing the U.S. airwaves, with a mission to encourage the larger and more effective use of radio in the public interest. In 1949, the commission promulgated a report in the matter of editorializing by broadcast licensees that interpreted the public interest provisions of the Radio Act and the Communications Act as a mandate to promote a basic standard of fairness in broadcasting. Licensees had the duty to devote airtime to fair and balanced coverage of controversial issues that were of interest to their home communities. Individuals who were the subject of editorials or who perceived themselves to be the subject of unfair attacks and news programming were to be granted an opportunity to reply. Also, candidates for public office were entitled to equal airtime. In 1959, a portion of the Fairness Doctrine became U.S. law when Congress amended the Communications Act with the doctrine's mandate of equal airtime for office seekers. The revised law recognized some exceptions to the equal airtime mandate, but held that such exceptions did not annul licensees' obligation to provide equal airtime and balanced coverage of conflicting views on issues of public importance. The Fairness Doctrine was never without its opponents, however, many of whom perceived the equal airtime requirement as an infringement of the right to freedom of speech enshrined in the First Amendment to the Constitution. In 1969, the doctrine survived a challenge in the Supreme Court case Red Lion Broadcasting Company v. FCC in which the court found that the FCC had acted within its jurisdiction in ruling that a Pennsylvania radio station had violated the Fairness Doctrine by denying response time to a writer who had been characterized in a broadcast as a communist sympathizer. 
1985, however, the FCC decided that the doctrine had a chilling effect upon freedom of speech. About that time, representatives of cable and satellite television networks challenged the applicability of the doctrine to their industries. In 1987, the FCC formally repealed the Fairness Doctrine, but maintained both the editorial and personal attack provisions, which remained in effect until 2000. In addition, until they were finally repealed by the Commission in 2011, more than 80 media rules maintained language that implemented the doctrine. I bring this up because it shows how our news media has been whittled down to dollars and cents. There is no need to get two credible sources prior to reporting something. Just put it out there. Someone will believe, and it really doesn't matter anyway. Now does it? Since 2006, anyone who claims to be 13 years old has been able to get on and use Facebook. We have 15 years of data. Why are we having such trouble seeing the truth? As a middle school principal, I have seen my fair share of misuse, overuse, and inappropriateness associated with all things social media and technology by teenagers. The same people who grew up on this way of handling things are the parents of the children in our schools today. None of us were ever shown how to use this technology properly. The big tech folks don't want us to use it properly. They want us to use it in a certain way so that we can be a commodity to them, a number. Our souls are being stripped from us as we speak. In one of our 8th grade graduation ceremonies in the last five years, I told our students this. Think about what we are doing with technology and think how it is affecting you personally. As parents, we must do a better job of teaching our children how to navigate this world. The hard part about that is many times it is our children who are teaching us about the technology. I can't help but think that if we were able to just stick to our core values and beliefs, we can make it through. If we just take care of each other, ourselves, our school, and our world, we can make it through. I would like to present each of you with a challenge surrounding our use of these devices. If you don't already limit yourself and the time you spend with these gadgets, please consider doing so this summer. Go find a friend to spend time with or curl up with a good book. Explore your world. Go on a walk. Go on many walks. Go on many long walks. What you will find is that the world is much bigger than you realize, and there's much to it that still needs exploring and figuring out. It's time for us to stop being keyboard warriors, step out from behind the technology, and become table talkers. Who's with me? Mic's off. Join us in the weeks to come as we learn and grow together.